So um, that's going to be a good morning. So um, before we uh, get them up, though, I'll pray, and then we're going to read something out of the Bible just to kind of get us centred on the, the topic of social justice. So let's just bow our heads and pray. Father, I thank you that you are with um, that you are with us here this morning. Um, Father, I guess as we've been reading a little bit about um, social justice uh, over the last week or so, and and as we head into that sort of sermon series, just really aware that that's something that's very close to your heart. And if it's close to your heart, God, it needs to be close to our heart. So I just ask that um, as we come over the next few weeks, and this morning in particular, that you would touch those parts in our hearts that need touching, and and that you would steer us um, closer to you, um, and and particularly through the work that we can do to help those who live uh, in and around us and even more remotely, God. So be with us this morning, be with the guys that are coming up and with the guys in the congregation as well. Um, Just open our hearts to hear what we need to hear from you this morning. Amen. Well, before we get um, our panel, our interview panel up, I've been watching... Um, David Parkinson during the week to see how he interviews people and I've given up on trying to mimic him in any way, shape or form but um, that was kind of interesting guests that he had up but just to kind of get us in the frame of what we're going to be talking about this morning there's a really confronting, or at least I find it pretty confronting passage in the Bible and it's called The Sheep and the Goats so the passage is in Matthew 25 um, verses 31 Uh, until 46. So I'll read it out. When the Son of Man uh, comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right hand side and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, which are the sheep, come, you are, blessed, um, you are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. Clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous ones, who are on the right-hand side, will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, which for the goats, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, uh, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger needing clothes or sick and in prison and did not help you? And he will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did, you did not do, uh, sorry, whatever you did not do to one of the least of these, you did not do to me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment and the righteous ones will go to eternal life. That's that's a pretty scary passage, I reckon. Um, It's a pretty confronting one and... 
and it's a pretty um, it's a pretty interesting one in terms of centering us as Christians on the work that we need to do for the poor and oppressed amongst us. And so the panel we've got up today um, have taken that um, that passage and passages like that somewhat seriously into their own lives, and they've, and they've done some um, some pretty cool things. It seems to me um, to show us other people to show us um, how that might be done and so um, we're going to invite them to come up this morning and we're going to ask them a few questions and hopefully you can glean some things from them um, that you'll be able to take into your own life. So we've got Richard Bolt um, this morning and we've got Roz and we've got LED. Um, so I ask these guys to come up. If you give them a clap as they come up because it's not a... Um For some of them it might not be something that comes all that common or naturally. So you can have a seat in the Parkinson-like couch. <laughs> um, so look, we're going to have to play microphone share. So um, I've just got some questions that um, I'm going to ask these guys about some of the stuff that they've done in the past. And um, I guess the first question is... Um, if you could give us just a bit of a summary, a couple of minutes summary about some of the work that you've done um, around the so whole social justice area, the work, and that doesn't have to be like right now, stuff that you've done in the past as well. I'll start with you, LED, if that's okay, just because you're closest. Well, I'm a school chaplain at the moment, so in a sense my days are filled with social justice issues. For me, um, I think social justice comes down to restoring what is broken and ultimately um, in that bringing the kingdom of God near to others. So whatever I'm doing in my daily role is connected to that. So I spend a lot of time feeding people at my school in one way or another and even when Mark was reading that scripture today I was thinking about um, the room that I've been blessed with in my school which is a, a common place for students to just come and be and sit and I can't invite students into my home but sometimes I feel like I invite them into my home by having them in that space as well. Um, so it is just that, that there's the practical elements, there's a lot of mediation that goes on too in my role which again for me is about restoring things that are broken and bringing near the Kingdom of God. Um, yeah, that's I suppose part of it, mopping up tears, providing support, um, lots of different parts to that. Yeah, my background was in the Salvation Army so I, um, I was sort of dedicated and brought up into the Army uh, and Basically, I uh, was involved in a lot of aspects of the Salvation Army. So it was, uh, yeah, going to pubs, um, playing a lot of music. Um, so I, I did a lot of travelling and stuff like that. So within the army, I, I, I did witness a lot of the social uh, problems that are happening in, in the world and, and, and are still happening. So, yeah, in a nutshell, I was um, basically um, really involved with that and... Um, and really enjoyed it, so it was great just to be able to share with people and um, witness to them. Um, for Paul, Paul and I always talk about us together because we're a team, and um, we always wanted to do some sort of full-time work for the Lord, and doors kept closing, and then Paul got sick, he went on a pension, and he started helping out at a little shop, and he got offered bread. And what went from one crate a day of bread went into four bakeries, um, 
into fruit and veggie shops, cake shops, helping with Belga. We ended up working with Belga Salvation Army, food bank, and it ended up being a full seven-day-a-week commitment, which we thoroughly enjoyed. And um, it was wonderful watching and helping people. Um, and it was wonderful watching a ripple effect of when we got too much food, we'd ring up different churches and they would come in and then they would just you know, hand it out to people in need as well. So that's something we did for about 18 years and um, it was just wonderful watching God's hand at work. So I remember as, um, as I was growing up, um, I, I was thinking about one of the questions I was going to ask you and that's who your role model is uh, in terms of helping people. And I think I was trying to remember thinking about that myself and I thought as I was growing up I would often see my grandparents helping people out um, a lot of the time, like my grandfather's forever on someone else's roof fixing it or something like that and my grandmother was forever baking something for people. The question I've got for you is, is there someone in your life who you've looked at and gone, I, I can really see God working through them and I'll... I, I want to emulate them in some way. Uh, it doesn't have to be someone you know personally, but someone who you've read about, who you know, someone who you think, at some point in your life you thought, I really want to be my life to look like that person's life or something like that. I actually struggled to answer that question um, as a, in terms of growing up, but when I lived in Melbourne for two and a half years, there was a lady that worked at the school that I was at, Catherine, and um, she was a Catholic lady who'd actually been involved in setting up um, the Mercy Ministries in King's Cross years ago. And she, for me, just really modelled how to serve in the school context particularly, I suppose. Um, and I found her just amazing and a real blessing at that point in time. Yeah, in um, the Salvation Army, the, the founder, William Booth, I don't know if many of you know his history, he was... Uh, became a Christian at 15, he, he became a Methodist um, preacher and then he actually moved on to, to grade his own uh, ministry. So um, yeah, basically reading his, his history and his passion, his passion for, for the social justice of people and in his time, especially in England at the, the time, it was a, a horrific time for them. But I've got a quote here um, which he wrote in a book he, he um, published and I'll just read that. While women weep as they do now, I'll fight. While children go hungry as they do now, I'll fight. While men go to prison in and out, and in and out as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunken left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, and while there remains one dark soul within the light of God, I'll fight to the very end. So that was basically his, his belief that yeah, anybody really who, who needs help gets help. So yeah, that's yeah, the person I sort of look up to. Um, there was a few people for us. I think the biggest challenge was um, that we learnt was um, that people get themselves, not all people get themselves into a situation. Some it just, it's happened. Some choose to cho to the path that they've taken. But our concern was for the children that um, who's going to look after them? And we, we, we always took from the scriptures that God, whatever he did, he always fed people. And I think that was our inspiration for what we, we got involved in. 
So the next question I've got for you is, I was just talking, I knew a little bit about LED and your background with the chaplaincy and things like that. I didn't know so much about Ros and, and some of Richard's work, so I was chatting to them a bit before the service, but I'm interested to know why, why it is that you do what you do, because um, for each of you, when I was talking to you before, I kind of came to the conclusion that it was it was a pretty big commitment, and it is a pretty big commitment. Um, it's not something that you would seem to me that you took lightly or you do take lightly. And I'm interested to know, or for you guys to express, why it is you actually do that, because it's not like, um, it's not an insignificant thing that you do. So why is it that you do it? I can remember when I was about, I think I was 20-ish, so yes, a long time ago. Um, <laughs> um, and I can remember God quite clearly saying to me that he wanted me working with young people. Now possibly at 20 I didn't expect to still be doing that now. Um, and I think the reason I do it is I just feel that that's what God has called me to and what I'm built for, made for, what I love um, and I feel constantly like it's in response to the work of Jesus in my own life. And I've made many decisions through my life um, where I have had to make the hard choice of choosing to follow Jesus um, at times, working with Youth for Christ, having to raise your own team support, all those things that have just been a direct response to where I've felt Jesus has said, come follow me and this is the path that come following him has led me on. Yeah, I think for me, I just had this um, overwhelming feeling that yeah, I had to, it was where I had to be. So at the time, you know, I believe God puts us each where we should be and, and, and we're there for a reason and that's, that was my reason in the Salvation Army. I was, I was actually there and I was doing things that probably people would look at it and go, gee, that's radical. This guy's, yeah, there's something wrong with him, you know, like he's doing all these bizarre things. But I was, that, I was, I was young and, and I was with a lot of people in, in my age group and we were doing, the, doing it for Jesus. You know, we had this real, real urge to do it and we yeah for some reason we were we were there and it was our time to do it and I think that's that's you know we are, we are really placed where we should be at the time and that's what I really believe yeah, um, yeah I think it's just you, you, you're listening to God and you, you're there where God wants you to be and to watch the people that you're that come along that need the help to see the um, the difference that just sometimes a box of food or a loaf of bread can make. It's just incredible. Um, I remember um, one of, a story that I remember, we went on a Bali mission trip once when I was living in Victoria. It was in, must have been in about 1989 or something like that. And um, I remember going to Bali and we went as a church music team and um, we playing all over the place and all these sort of out of the way churches and whatnot. And um, I remember hanging around with some of these um, kids that would have been a little bit younger than me. Um, and for some reason, I don't know why, I was unpacking my suitcase or something and, um, and one of them said, wow, you've got two towels, you know because I must have taken two towels for some reason. And I went, oh, yeah, no, I've got two towels. And he goes, 
I said, how many do you have? And he said, I don't have any towels, you know. Family doesn't have any towels kind of thing. I'm like, well, okay, you can just have this towel in if you like, you know. And he was completely blown away, you know. Um, And I'll never forget that, even though it's quite a long time ago, is that, you know, he, um, he obviously saw such value in having a towel kind of thing. And I think as a teenager, you just don't, you don't get that until you get over there and experience that. The question I'm going to ask you is, imagine we're sitting around a dinner table and someone says, and you think, what story would I tell about the work that I do kind of thing? What story sticks in my mind? And you don't have to name names, it's probably... But what, what is it, that one story that you think, wow, that really touched me and, and it was just one of those stories that sticks in your mind, you know? Yeah, I guess like I was talking to Mark earlier about um, Olivia used to do the pub um, visits every Friday night. So the Salvation Army would actually send people, soldiers into to pubs and and just to collect, but also just chat to people generally and just see where they're at. But for some reason, they used to send um, girls into those those areas, and it was. Quite interesting because the guys would go, yeah, the silver girls are in, you know, in, in the coming in, and they sort of get a, a bit more money that way as well, you know, with with the girls going into those places. But the the uh, uh, yeah, it was quite interesting that we were talking about that because I forgot about that. But yeah, just sending these girls through the through in, and 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 that actually had an impact, you know, on on the guys there at the bar. Yeah. I think the one that really sticks in my mind was when we were doing the Christmas hampers one year and um, we always worked with Belga Church of Christ as well. And we took, um, there was two, we took one to one house and the lady was on the phone before we'd even got down the end of the road demanding that she got another parcel from um, the Salvation Army even though she'd been told it was a combination. Um, and then we went to this other house. Now, this lady hadn't asked for anything, but Paul and I knew her, and we knew she had cancer, and she had an autistic daughter, and she had a son that she was looking after, and she had come out of a bad marriage, and uh, we knew she had nothing. We rocked up at the door, and um, I don't need anything, she said. And we said, we would really like to bless you. So eventually she allowed us in. She had no food, nothing. We were able to fill her her fridge for her, but also we'd been given two gifts to give to somebody. And we'd put these two gifts in the parcel. And um, it was exactly what her children had wanted. And, um, yeah, we left there in tears and she left in tears. And... um, yeah, it was just yeah, it was just overwhelming. It was absolutely wonderful to see God's hand before we got there to even to the point of those gifts. It was yeah, mind blowing. I'm just trying to decide which story to share really. <laughs> um, I think I'll just stick with something that happened recently, although it's not a clear memory thing in that sense, but um slightly different. But um there's a, a student in year ten who he He's been a difficult kid all the way through and he gets he digs his heels in about something that's really hard to turn around. 
and sometimes it can be something really simple. And I've had a lot to do with him over years and now at least he doesn't run away when he's done the wrong thing. And he actually, on um, Friday, he walked out of a class but the celebratory point was that although he walked out of the class, he didn't throw a chair or a desk or swear or shout at the teacher. So that's like, yahoo, well done. Um, but talking to him, his difficulty was also that this teacher wanted him to move seats. Not a big ask. But he didn't understand why the teacher wanted him to move seats. Now, I know that her thinking is that he never produces any work and maybe if he moved a bit closer, he'd produce work. His statement is, well, I've, told, I've tried to tell her but she won't listen to me. I've tried to tell her it doesn't matter where I sit. I'm still not going to produce any work. So I was able to say to him, well, what about I talk to the teacher? So we've had the conversation with the teacher and the three of us are going to sit down probably tomorrow. And... Um, just the knowledge that somebody else steps into that gap sometimes and where a kid might not feel like they've got a voice to be heard. Now, the fact that he doesn't produce work is a problem, not denying that. But in his mind, as far as he is concerned, it's not going to change whether he moves seats or not. So why should he have to move seats? And so just being able to be the person that can help a young person figure out that, well, actually, maybe I, you know, I need some help in this, for one thing, and just to be able to celebrate with him how far he's come and for me, that's also the element of social justice is just, um, you know, fixing things that are broken um, for young people who don't have a voice, who aren't able to express something to an adult that they need to, to have somebody else come alongside them and do that with them and for them, um, I think is really important. And, like, I, I just loved being able to see this kid stop to talk, not having sworn and yelled. Um, for me, that was actually a really big deal after three, you know, nearly three years of knowing him. So that's my story. So how has it changed you? The years of service for each of you, how has it changed you as a, as a person? I think every year means that I just couldn't imagine not doing it. It just becomes more and more a part of just who you are um, and... Yeah, it's, just, it's life. I suppose that's how it's changed me. I wouldn't necessarily have known that I'd be doing that this many years down the track, um, but it's definitely something that I couldn't imagine not doing in some way. Yeah, just helping others has changed me by um, giving me a deeper understanding of the needs in our society. So you don't have to go far really to, to look in our society, do you, and, and see the needs? I mean, we're in a pretty lucky country at the moment, um, but we still have problems, and there's quite a few problems there. So, yeah, just a realisation of the big picture, um, just the blessing from God, and, um, yeah, and just following God's commands, I think. That sort of changed me as well, you know, realising it is a mandate from God to help others. For me, it's, um, it's amazing to see just sometimes to sit down with somebody and just share a cup of coffee or whatever you've got that can be used to just get alongside somebody and it, it makes you realise how grateful you are with what you have. You mightn't have a lot, you may have plenty, but whatever you've got, you're grateful because there's always someone out there that's got nothing. And uh, yeah, I've learnt a lot in um, yeah, just to share uh, a coffee, or ha but mainly to have a listening ear, because that's all they normally want is just someone to talk to, just someone to say, I care.
So I think sometimes, at least for me and maybe um, maybe for others as well, sometimes you hear stories about how you're meant to um, look after the poor and oppressed and things like that. And sometimes you think, oh, what, what's it going to cost me though? You know, what's it going to, how much is it going to cost, you know, in terms of time and, and money and things like that? And the equation quickly ends up being like a, a, a bit of a one-sided affair, you know, where you think, well, in my life, what am I going to have to give up, you know, to, to actually serve God in these areas, you know, in these kind of social justice areas? But I think um, we, we don't look at the benefits, or we sometimes don't know about the benefits about... Um, about helping people out and particularly the benefits in their relationship with God and Jesus and, and how that might, um, how in serving that way might bring us closer to him. So I'd be interested in hearing from you guys how when you have served like this in the past, what has it done to your relationship with Jesus? How has it brought you closer to him? I often think about that verse in Micah where it says what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God and I think for me the thing that happens at school so often is just when you discover that you're in the right place, the right time with what that person might need and I think that's what it does for me is it constantly grounds me in the fact that God is in control um, and that even in the little things um, like for example, it's so simple, but the other week we were running out of margarine for breakfast club and I was thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to get to the shops again before 10.30 to get the margarine so that the people were coming in to make the sandwiches can make the sandwiches. And I had no time to do that. And you know, and a teacher, Ms Perkins, comes around the corner and her church donates stuff for, for us and they've just started that week bringing some stuff in for breakfast club and they just bought a whole heap of margarine in. So it was just that, thank you, Jesus that you are involved in even the simple things and that I can trust that you go before me in this um, and that you are present in the midst. So I think that's what it does. You know, It helps me to know the Lord at work at all times in every situation. I think it's just helped me become aware of others around me. You, know, the, you may not be aware of where people are at at the time. So I know my everyday work, I sort of get to see a lot of people and I enjoy talking to people and it's amazing how much they open up to me even even though I'm just a plumber I just walk in the door and I go oh, I'm here to do whatever but they sort of do open up and some people are in quite a bad way at the moment you know just with with life things aren't easy at the moment um, the economy there's a lot of pressure there so yeah just being that ear at the time too I think that's yeah and we may not realise like Mark saying we don't realise what we say may, or what impact we say may say we'll have on them. You know, we yeah, and those words are, uh, could really be of benefit for us. Um, time was our own. God had made it that we were. Paul was home, um, and if he was having a bad day, it gave him something to focus on. So that was really good. The money side, I just, it blows me still out the water when I think about it. We kept the receipts for one year of what we spent. It was more than what we got on our pension. Half our income went on mortgage and we still had to pay bills. So 
God's hand was in our ministry in such a fantastic way. Um, it still gives me oh, goosebumps there. But it does. It still gives me goosebumps. The only financial help we ever that I can remember getting was when we first went to Belga Church of Christ. Um, and um, Lee and um, Trevor and um, I'm trying to think there was Paul White when he was there as well gave us a room and set us up. We got set up with a little bit of income per week. Um, and um, yeah, so it just still blows us out the water where it all came from because it was all paid and we got given a holiday every year. And we never had that before. So yeah, God, God's hand was really amazing. So um, what are some practical ways that people in the congregation can either get involved with the things that you guys are doing, I'm particularly thinking about ULED, um, but, but also other you guys as well. What are some ways that people can help you or how would you encourage them in terms of um, seeing need in their own community and responding to that? Um, I guess you've got a room full of potential resources there. <laughs> um, so what would you say to people in terms of either helping you guys out or, or what, what would you encourage them to do in terms of, of helping, helping out their own um, communities in which they live? I think what I'd like to just say is please don't underestimate what you are doing. You know, in the way God is using you every day in the situation that he has placed you in. It just so happens that I work in a school um, and, you know, see God at work in that. But we're all doing that stuff if we're responding to Jesus and we're listening for his leading in that. Um, one thing you can do today is Michael's here. He's doing the 40-hour famine this weekend. So that's a social justice issue. So um, he'd be more than happy to have some more 40-hour famine supporters for the kids in Rwanda. Um, and so please think about that. And practically, I, I just want to also say how important for me knowing that people are praying is um, and I don't say that lightly I actually know how, how much of a difference prayer makes and I, I know that I often have a real sense in our school that I'm walking into a battle and that there's so much uh, you know working against God and you know there's so much hard stuff going on because of the prince of the air is at work all around us um, so prayer is a good thing um, food donations are always welcome um, and even on occasion when I need help with something like sandwiches or Christmas hampers or some of those practical things, um, that would be great too. I was just going to um, just say if you've got a passion, it might be a, a hidden passion for people or something like that that you, you have, um, yeah, just don't sit on it. Maybe if you, if you uh, know somebody that needs help, somebody next door, and, and you realise that, yeah, I can do that, I can help, yeah, just do that and uh, don't hold back. And I, I just um, thought, yeah, volunteering, if you can volunteer time or money, I guess, too, that would be help, that's helpful for a lot of organisations in, in the social realm. So, um, yeah, just support and take time to look for ways of helping those, those, you know, those um, organisations like the Solvos or whoever it might be out there that are trying to help people. For Paul and I, our, our ministry sort of ceased in about 2003, but 
we still get involved in little things like Sharon with, with um, wanting meals for, for some of the mums. I was with Sharon when she gave some meals out to a lady a couple of weeks ago. Now this lady had never had anything like this done for her. And I mean, she's a grandma. And it blew me out of the water to think that nobody had ever cooked a meal for her. And she was struggling with her own health. Her daughter had just had another baby. And, um, yeah, you know, there's things like that that you can get involved in. The bread that's left over on a Tuesday, um, if I'm able to, I take some home, I hand it out to the neighbours. And we've got a neighbour every now and then that gets vegetables. And we'll get, we'll get up in the morning and there's a bag of vegetables waiting on our doorstep. So we divvy it up between people that we know. So there's little things. You know, even though our ministry in the sense of what we were doing full time has ceased, um, we've still just got that little little toe in the door, sort of the little finger in the door, just doing just that little bit. And that's all it takes. It's just that little bit. I think it's just remembering that helping looks like different things in different situations too that, you know, like we said before, a listening ear or a spoken word can be as much of a help to someone as anything. And we're, you know, we're all in positions being where we talk to people every day um, and our words can be seasoned with grace and that in itself is an expression of God's love too. Well, um, thanks guys for sharing. I was wondering if um, you guys could just put your hands together because these guys have been quite courageous in coming up and... Um, if you want to go on. Yeah. You're dismissed, you're dismissed. <laughs> um, so, um, let me just get my... I guess our, um, one of the things that our church is pretty strong on is the idea of looking after people. It's kind of always been that way and it, it always will be that way. Um, We've been, our life group's been going through Ephesians at the moment and one of the verses that came out the other day was in Ephesians 2. It says, for, for, um, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Um, it is not of yourselves, it is a gift from God, um, not by works, so that no man, no man can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Jesus Christ to do good works, which God prepared for, for us in advance to do. And the idea with that is that um, it's the works that we do don't save us at all. It's God's grace. But, but once you are a Christian, works come out of you just because you do have that relationship with Christ. So you're not saved by doing any of these things. But once you are saved, these things start to flow out of you because um, that's what Christ asked us to do and that's his heart and his heart becomes our heart as we progressively um, become more like him. So that's what our church is about and that's why we got those people up to encourage you to think about ways in which, um, which you might serve as well. So I'm going to pray and we've got one or two other things we have to do before we head off. Um, so I'll pray and then um, a couple of things I just want to run you guys through as well before our last song. Father, I thank you for the three people that, uh, that came up and spoke to us this morning. I thank you for... Um, for Roz and Richard and Hallie D. Um, I thank you for the work that they've done both in the past and they continue to do and they will continue to do and um, I thank you that you've brought them amongst us. As people we can um, take encouragement from and take guidance from. 
thank you for the servant heart that they've had and I just ask that you bless them in each of their ministries, whether their ministries have changed a bit like Roz, whether they continue on um, like, um, like LED and just in the day-to-day um, like Richard was telling us in his work. So be with them, be with us all as we, um, we try to serve you in our day-to-day life, Lord, and just remind us and, and prompt us and convict us where we need to be doing more for those around us because that is your heart, God. And as we do that, um, I just ask that our relationship with you would grow in, in such a way that the things that we do, we do them with a glad heart, God, and a knowledge that we're, we're doing the work of the Father, um, not begrudgingly, but um, as an act of service because we love you and we know that that's what you would do as well. So we just ask these things in your name. Amen. So um, one of the things um, the, that we decided as elders we would do every year, a slight change of pace now, um, is it's getting to the end of the, well it is the end of the financial year now, so every year what we, I think probably every year, we may do it every six months, we'll just bring you guys up to date with where we are in terms of the church budget. I don't think it's ever been done before, I can't remember it ever being done before. But we all decided it would be a good thing to do just so everyone's kind of, we're all up front and aware and how it's all tracking and everything like that. Um, so we just wanted to run you through a couple of slides um, about how we went last year and how things are looking, um, or our budget for this year. So um, over the 2013-2014 financial year, our income was $103,000. Um, and our expenditure was 119,000. So we spent a bit more than we than we than our income was, and it worked okay because we had some in the bank and things like that. So that was that was all okay. But that's how it looked for us. Um, that's how it looked for us last year. Um, so if you go to the next slide, um, so this is our 2014-2015 budget. Um, so all the elders have gone through the budget. Um, and we're all um, really happy with um, the way it's looking. There's certainly no fat in it. Um, it's pretty pretty lean sort of a budget. Um, you can see up there the allocation um, of the budget and where they, um, where it, it tends to go. Um, there's a couple of things down the bottom you'll see. Um, you can see, actually, we'll start from the top. Um, salaries is the most um, significant part of the budget. Um, then we have building and office expenses, uh, that just goes to running, running the whole building. The various ministries that the church runs, um, that's the cost associated with those. Uh, there's the insurance there. Um, and then you'll see giving and future savings. So you sort of go, what's that all about? Well, the giving bit, as a church, um, we encourage the congregation and members of the church or the congregation to give and the church likes to give as well to the various ministries and things like that, particularly things like compassion. So that's what that is there. It's the church is giving out to, to the various ministries that it supports and we also like to put some into the bank as well. So if we add all of those up for the 2014-2015 year, it adds up to $130,000 more or less. So um, that's how it looks for the year ahead. So we'll try and bring you this information probably once a year, maybe once every six months or something like that. Um, for some of you it has no interest whatsoever and that's okay. For some of you you'll be really interested in it um, and I suspect most of you will be somewhere in between.